0: I often say that addiction is the result of not knowing how to find safety inside of yourself. So you find it in something else and understandably you get hooked on it because you're desperate for safety. That's all you're guilty of. Any of you looking to learn more about supporting addiction recovery through a trauma-informed and somatic lens and a nutritional lens, please join me for my Addiction Circle. This is a bi-monthly, entirely free, virtual circle that I invite anyone here to come and join if they want more information. Addiction tends to be so steeped in shame, and I find that doing this work in a community of people helps to destigmatize that shame so you can see how not alone you are in the experience. So whether you are personally withdrawing, preventing, experiencing relapse, or you work with people who are actively addicted or in recovery, all are welcome.
1: The next Addiction Circle will be held on Tuesday, May 7th at 5 p.m. EDT. This meeting is not recorded for the sake of anonymity. No registration is necessary, just join through the link below.
0: I wanted to just bring in the term, the the sentence stop gaslighting me, um, as I tend to consistently see it relate to disagreements. And I thought we could all riff on that a little bit. So I (laughs) wonder, let's dive in.
2: Yes, let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think think this actually really applies to to safety, that for a lot of people safety is knowing that I'll always be agreed with. And if I'm Mm. not being agreed with or if I'm not, and this is another term, I want to be seen. I want to be
3: heard. Mm, mm.
2: And but what they're really saying is, I want you to agree with me. I want you to validate me. And if you don't agree with me, if you don't validate me, then you're gaslighting me. Those things mm. are not synonymous.
0: Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where we explore life through the lens of somatics. I'm Luis Mujica, a somatic educator who teaches people how to find safety in themselves. Your turn to learn begins now. Welcome, my friends. We are being joined today. So this is our HLN team podcast. And we're being joined by a friend and colleague of mine, Thayer They Thayer, welcome to the podcast.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: I want you to first to just orient the listeners to you. Tell us like what you do. Tell us about Maverick, anything you want us to know.
4: Sure. Um, first, I'm a uh, psychotherapist and I'm a coach. Um, I do both. Um, I uh, am director of a I guess fairly large psychotherapy group with a trauma and somatic focus um up here in the Catskills from woodstock Kingston area and from from New York. Um, and uh, and so I've spent the last fifteen twenty years really diving into somatics and trauma work and integrating. Spirituality and aggression and all these wonderful things, into to uh, helping heal all different kinds of, of ways that we suffer. Um, uh, I also have done a fair amount of consulting and teaching with some Fortune 500 companies or not-for-profits or um, uh, teams, uh, and uh, uh, but I really enjoy doing that as well. Um, so yeah, I've been really working with. Um, kind of groups, and also with individual work as well. I we also have been helping out in um, the somatic experiencing trainings for, for a long time too here, and so um, it's good to it's good to be here. Yeah,
0: well, uh, I was happy to invite you here because um, <clears throat> we were talking. We we had dinner a couple times, and I, I've said this to my team, and I've said this to groups and students and other other spaces that I, I do work in it's difficult to find fellow trauma therapists and educators and facilitators that also have like a pretty rich sense of humor about trauma and about psychology and about pain and suffering. And I've always found um, irreverence and kind of like filth culture to be so healing. It has gotten me through so much pain. Like I, I would have probably died growing up without it. So I, our team, we are always. I mean, who people heard us behind closed doors. And they would not want to listen to us, but we're kind that of giving them. A, yeah, yes, exactly. So we're kind of giving them a peek at that today, because uh, Thayer and I were talking about something that Camille and Marie and Evan and I talked about. These words that we hear that are in the mainstream, whether it's uh, pop psych culture or somatic culture, that we want to have some fun with today. We want to list the words that just like, either the words like irk us for the ones that we think are silly, or the ones that we want to reclaim, and say actually it means this, and then kind of play with it. So that's what we're gonna do with today. We're gonna see where where it takes us. And I thought to be a good host, we'd let Thayer bring the first word. So why don't you drop it and we can go from
4: there. Well, can I put one framing around it too? Please. Uh, yeah, that I think you know was a is a phrase that I use a lot um, when I'm when I'm teaching or or, or training people, which is you know, the ability to hold heavy things lightly is a really good way of, of, um, you know, when we're holding space for people, um, if we hold it too preciously, it becomes very fragile.
3: Mm.
4: And and if we're holding space for people who've been really hurt, which is like all of us or some more than others, perhaps, then, um, uh, you know, it becomes fragile. And I think to be able to become agile as a healer or as a, a way of holding space is really important. So all that being said, um, the you know language is is uh is very facile and it's strange. And I just want to introduce one concept. I think maybe I was uh, sending this to you earlier, Luis. But you know, in in Zen Buddhism, there's a phrase that painted cakes do not satisfy hunger, which is you know, you know what is word you know like. <laughs> You know, I think one of the reasons I appreciate your work, Luis, that I've told you is that it's very direct. You know, it's about experience. So words can get tricky. And, uh, and so sometimes I'm always like, what the hell are we even freaking talking about anymore here? <laughs> you know, especially in the echo chambers of social media or like people say it with utmost oh, seriously, it's this. Like, really? What is this? What is that? For instance, let's see. I feel like we should have a wheel. <laughs> oh my god, it's
0: amazing! <laughs> I should have made a wheel.
4: Uh, okay, what's what's one that's uh, okay? This one, this is bigger. To start with, triggered.
0: Oh yes, Camille was just talking about this one.
4: Let's
0: <laughs> go trigger.
4: Let's go tr- <laughs> term, Luis, what is triggered? What does that mean?
0: Oh uh, well, there's so many things it means. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll start saying for me what it doesn't mean. What yeah. it doesn't mean for me is that i disagree with you or you or you disagree with me like a disagreement right doesn't have to be something that triggers me uh i i think what people are trying to say when they use the word triggered is i'm uncomfortable rather than my body's being propelled into like a full-on attack of horrible traumatic painful memory you know from the past so I, that, I, I play with those two things of discomfort versus I, I lost my entire agency in this moment to a flashback.
4: Yeah, no, that's great. I really like that. I think, yeah, I mean, triggered, like you said, if we take it from a, like if we take trauma and boil it down to a simple, like what is trauma, but a past present intrusion, then a trigger would be something that, like you said, that incites a full blown Like I have nowhere, no idea where I am on the timeline at this point. I'm incredibly disoriented. I'm, I'm reacting to stimulus A as if it was stimulus B. I'm reacting to stimulus B as if it was stimulus A, Um, and that's my experience of it. And I don't want to take that away from people because that's a really important awareness to have. And we're working with this. However, like, like you said, if it's if it if triggered, it becomes uncomfortable then like, we're going to have nobody communicating with each other because basically nobody will say anything because everybody's uncomfortable all the time, which is true. It's uncomfortable right. to communicate. That's right. right. So, so the, yeah, I agree. It's like triggered can often be used as um, uh, I'm upset because I'm triggered, mm-hmm. which then mm-hmm. makes it so it's difficult to communicate mm-hmm. or to communicate directly. So it's not that it's it's like how, how do we rein triggered back into – an accurate term as opposed to a catch-all for I'm um, having a feeling.
0: Well, it's interesting because we, we were playing with this today in the course and Camille, Camille said it really well. She, you know, there's that we just said triggered. And that's the kind of what I see is the classical sense, the origin of it. And then this new sense that I can also get behind, I'm curious where you go, is it's the catalyst to take me to a feeling. You know, we think of like catharsis, you know, like mm. you, like when someone says, oh, it triggered a thought or triggered a memory so there's that there's a psychological ptsd yeah. triggered and then there's the act of something awakened in me because of the stimulus and that latter one i think is an excellent tool at helping people relate to those parts that awaken in response to something rather than seeing it as something really horrible that happened that i was taken to a feeling inside of myself and i wonder yeah, where like like yeah i wonder where you gotta let camille in a moment talk about it but where do you go with that there like how does that land for you
4: well, I think if you think of like literally what a trigger is, right? Like, so like, like you said, it's, it's the means to which an action occurs. That's right. So like the trigger isn't actually the problem. Like that's right. So the trigger is, is a, is it's, it's a way that we're using describing reality in a, in a chain reaction to some degree. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, again, it's about stimulus equals this equals that. Right. And Like, so I think I like that idea of like thinking about it as like, it's the, the, the trigger is, is the action that solicits a, you know, in somatic experiencing or in conditioning language, you'd say an overcoupled or a conditioned response because they've survived. So that is where we struggle. Like the trigger is, is a description of something happens. I'm curious, like how we'd say trigger in different languages. You know,
0: like, mm, yeah, like, be cool.
4: Like, what what would that be? I mean, there's a kind of violent imagery. I mean, trigger, it's like, it's like a trigger of a gun. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I lo- and anyone listening from other countries, uh, let us know. Drop a comment below or uh, email Evan info at holistic life navigation. Let us know, like, what, what words do you use for your body remembering or feeling something? Camille, talk about it a bit because he just said exactly what you said in the course. We yeah. just teaching week five of our course, and you said the trigger takes you to, or awakens the overcoupling. And the overcoupling, that's where all the gold is. That's the thing yes. keeping us from feeling free. So tell us about it. My cat's screaming. I'm going to let her in.
2: <laughs> and and, and I, I love the way you said it, uh, Luis. Like, that's the gold. What I guess rubs me the wrong way is when people use getting, tri- like, getting triggered to say, I shouldn't have to feel this. I shouldn't have to feel bad or you shouldn't trigger me, or I shouldn't have to get triggered. That's what I'm finding comes up a lot, um, that I shouldn't have to experience being triggered. Whereas I think there's a lot of gold, like you said, at least in being triggered. There's something there if we have the capacity to get curious about, what is this awakening in me? What is this reminding me of? What is this tapping into?
0: Yeah, that, that piece is, that's what interests me so much is, uh, it's, it's what I love about somatics, at least the way I understand them and work with them, is we're looking for the activation and the overcoupling. like that's that's the goal is taking you to this portal inside your body that's holding some kind of unexpressed compressed, you know, memory or future fear. And to try to avoid that and walk around it is such a disservice for the body on so many levels. I wonder how it's switched from something that is gold to something that I shouldn't ever experience.
4: Well, I think this shouldn't. I should never experience is an overcoupled of shame and immobility.
0: Mm. So,
4: like that's how, you know, if somebody's like, there's still gold there. It just has another layer of defense around it because it's so painful.
3: Mm. So,
4: it's. I think like if we're thinking about slowing it down, you know, that's why I think investigations of words and what it like. You know, if we just dropped in, like what is triggered, feel like or mean or what associations or images or anything we have. You know, we might have all these associations. We might, like, you know, I don't want to feel that way. means that we have, are in an active past-present intrusion. Mm
0: -hmm.
4: Or else we wouldn't be defended against it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we were talking about in in my course earlier, we were saying to the the students, because some of them were saying, well, how do you enjoy... Getting tricked because Camille said I enjoy getting triggered now, and I enjoy triggering. And she doesn't mean oh. that she <laughs> she doesn't mean that she like actually yeah. comes out of <laughs>
4: well, I mean, not to talk to Camille.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, you, you need to talk to She doesn't go out of her way to like make everyone uncomfortable. She just makes people uncomfortable being herself because she's not fawning, and we 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 are always laughing at her and Evan. They're the autistic siblings of HLN because they're they're so direct in their approach to things. So there isn't a lot of like fluffing it up. And so that can be super triggering for people because (laughs) if we think of someone like with certain attachment styles, they're really wanting to be fond to or told a certain story themselves and it settles them. And when you're around someone that's not willing to tell that story, it creates a little bit of a rupture. And then we call this like, you know, I'm triggered because of you. But Camille's saying, well, I see triggered as gold. So when I trigger you, like, where's my thank you card? (laughs) Where's the thank you card in the mail <laughs> something came up to meet you? And so I think it's about and this is maybe another word, capacity, like having the space in the body to feel the sensations when we get triggered and not see it as a negative thing, but as something that's shifting inside
4: yeah, no, I mean I, I think maybe like as you as you guys were talking, I was thinking that maybe what it seems to me what what Camille might be embarking on is 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 being skillful. You know, so you know by having people be a certain level of discomfort, you can't learn unless you're uncomfortable. That's right. So, so you know, but I again, you know, that's it's just so funny how this thing keeps changing and morphing. Like, but so to me, triggered would be like a true triggered state would be when we have lost our observing ego. That is a triggered state, mm-hmm. like nobody's learning when they are actually triggered. Like if somebody is triggered, then I think that we, means we there's a level of, of, of safety that's gone. And there's a, a you know, the, the defenses are so intense that we lose a sense of ourselves, And that's what a trigger, you know, for instance, like, um, you know, I work with a lot of vets, like war veterans, not animal people, although them too, I guess, but like the, uh, and, or, or people who are in law enforcement, or people who have seen a lot of very violent things that have been in war. Right. So, you know, I remember there was one story where somebody was talking about, you know, how sometimes like you're the dryer when it's drying clothes, like we'll get off of balance and go, or the, the washing machine, right. And so he was getting annoyed with that. So he jumped on top of it and sat on it. And it sounds exactly like a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And he was gone. Mm-hmm. He was back in the war. That's true. We're not going to do anything at that moment, right? You know, somebody has to move through that and then we can work with it. Or if you're actually with somebody in the moment of that, then that's different. So I'd say I'd like to reserve a trigger to when there's a loss of observing ego. And look we up. are full, like full, we are in the past, Yep. There's not one foot here anymore.
0: Yeah, I so, love that. You know, we I, I talk about that similarly because I'm always going between these two different meanings of triggered is the, the catalyst, the catharsis that took me to a feeling, and triggered is I lost the agency to notice and witness exactly. and be here. Um they they both work for me. But you said a oh. word that was very triggering. You said safety. Yes. And I thought I it'd be very <laughs> I thought it'd be very fun to play with safety. Because uh, Marika, you had said on the past episode, I forget which one it was, you were saying that if you go to a place and they call it a safe space, you feel extremely uncomfortable. So I thought, why don't you start this conversation off about safe spaces?
5: Um, I understand the need for safe spaces and I have benefited from being in a place that I felt that was safe. But um, I find that if that's sort of the 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 leading lead in, lead in um, is that it's a, a safe space To me, it just feels like that means the people who are there are more likely to get triggered or more dysregulated Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't want conflict and they don't Mm -hmm. want to have like, you know, maybe a conversation because like, of course, if I'm going into a room and I know everybody agrees with me, like I won't, I probably am not going to get triggered. Um, But that's not really what I, those aren't the rooms I want to walk into. I just want Mm -hmm. to walk into the rooms that have people in them, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it it tends to it feels like this extra layer of nothing sometimes, um, even though I can also say I have completely benefited from being in a space with all women, let's say, or um, or all people of color. Like, you know, I had a different sense than I did in, say, other rooms.
0: But well, Would you call it a safe space or would you call it like?
5: You know, a familiar. Well, it just felt like a, safe... fami- it, yeah, more like a familiar co-regulating type of a space. Got it. Right? Um, but I understood because I know what it feels like to not feel safe, like the feeling that you're going for when you call a safe, you know, a a a, a space safe. Mm-hmm. Like I understand the reasoning behind it, but for <laughs> the most part, it just when I've gone to those meetings, it it feels like people are more. Uh, ready to be triggered (laughs) Uh, and and really afraid of being triggered because of whatever that's going to mean.
0: Yeah. And I'm just curious, I'm playing with these words we were talking about triggered. I wondered if the word we're trying to say when we all say triggered is just activated. You know, like something activated and aroused my nervous system. I'm still here. I'm still present. I'm still breathing. Okay. Maybe it gets a little shallow, but I'm here. I know I'm in this room and that person pissed me off. But I'm here I'm still witnessing that I, I think we we explore a lot how activation is so overcoupled with something bad and so if activation is also overcoupled with being triggered and, and we all kind of know subconsciously triggered is this thing where you're flung out of here and you have no agency then of course activation is terrifying we assume it's going to lead to that uh, so I get curious about the safe space term uh because you know like Camille talk for herself in a moment but you talk about brave spaces so much and about being uncomfortable and about like Fair said, like you learn through the discomfort. It really takes you to... Discomfort for me is just an unexplored part of myself. Like once it's explored and I've made a friends with it and I'm at home in it, it's comfortable. It's not this place I don't want to go to. So when I think of safe spaces... And this is me speaking. There's something like innocently manipulative about it. And I've done it. I've called spaces that I've held in the past safe until I started realizing this more. I'm projecting a story onto people that you will be safe here. And how can I know that? And something about that projection, that story draws people. that really want the promise of safety, which I think is an impossible promise. So I, I, I'm curious where we all go with that. Anyone that wants to dive in?
2: Oh. Yeah, I, I, I've never really liked the term. For me, when people describe a place as safe, it always feels like the parent who I'm the cool mom. No, you're not, because if you were the cool mom, you wouldn't have to say you're the cool mom. And so that's right. if, if you're a space that's describing yourself as a safe space, I'm like, mm, are you really? Because you might not have to be doing that. Um, and to your point, when we, particularly when we think about it somatically, no one can make a space safe for you if we th- safety really comes from my capacity my resiliency what am i what am i able to attune to in my body am i overcoupled by what people do or say in the space mm-hmm. so when we put that responsibility on ourselves and say this is a safe space for you and then that person doesn't feel safe it's just it's like this unnecessary round and round that's why for me brave spaces are much more impactful. I describe the spaces I facilitate as being brave spaces. I invite people to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. We don't know what's gonna come up. We don't have to agree. We might get triggered, we might get activated and we'll be with it and we'll see where it goes.
0: See, that's what what they were saying earlier about fragility and preciousness. That's exactly my experience because when I used to market and use these terms of this is a safe space or we're gonna have a safe space together, I had to do so much hand-holding, and I don't mean that like in a condescending way. I mean like literally. It's something I would literally be holding hands. But people were coming in with this expectation that I gave them that this is safe, which means you're not going to be uncomfortable, you're not going to get activated, you're not going to feel anything undesirable. When I switched that into, I can't promise that you're going to feel safe here... But I can promise I'll teach you techniques to access internal safety and to have fun with activation and to play with overcouplings. Then, I mean, the demographic of people showing up—amazing difference in terms of their, of their their resilience, their openness, their consent to going into some that, where that's really uncomfortable versus thinking they're consenting to this is going to be great and everyone's going to take care of me. And it made it easier for me because there wasn't this impossible expectation that I was burdened with that I burdened myself with. How do you see that in your practice there? Like, how do you see the word? Is it, Do you see safety being used, like, in this external way, like, I'm creating it for you? Or do you see it being used to, like, I'm going to teach you how to feel that in yourself?
4: Well, not if I've trained somebody. I mean, if there's, <laughs> like, I agree kind of what Mariko was saying, that, like, I think maybe there's been an evolution of, like, you know, when that term first started being used, you know, I think that, you know, perhaps that was associated with like a space of affinity or a place where people can, mm. you know, there's some measure of, um some measure of, 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 of like uh, affinity that like, you know, that in circumstances or social circumstances that might be difficult for you, those factors have, are not there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it like creates like a, you know, it's, It's and 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 again, like the for some people never had that experience ever. So I think that's where it really is so important. Now, this is where it gets complicated and juicy is that safe? I mean, I think one of the problems that I have, I mean, it's not a problem, but like the way our language is, is binary. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, it's dualistic. So, whenever we invite something like safety what also comes up Mm -hmm. unsafe Mm -hmm. so you cannot say the word safe without danger being invoked Yep, because it doesn't exist without danger so i like to think like safety is like in reaction to like that it's in a it's in a dynamic relationship with danger and safety Mm -hmm. right as opposed to like a um you know, like like what Camille was saying. I like the term brave. Like brave is kind of an open. You know, it's I guess like you know maybe being a wimp is the opposite of that. I mean maybe there's that in there and maybe people think that I don't know. But it doesn't have as strong as a of association. So coming back a long time ago, somebody said to me, which really resonated. I know, it was maybe about 15 years ago. So like like I always tell people like you know if you say do you feel safe? I was with Evan and I said you know you, you know we came into a session or on zoom or whatever and I said, Evan, you know I'd like to create some safety with you you know you're probably like whoa like what a creep right you know like like you know it would that would be you know like like uh like you know is the session over like right because immediately it's like I think it was what Camille was saying like you know um there's a saying that the unsolicited assertion is always a defense of why so like if you assert something you are you are actually saying the opposite you know yep like, you know, like I, don't, I don't really think that's funny like i didn't ask you so clearly right
0: <laughs> right, right. So no, no, offense. Yeah. No, yeah. no offense but yeah, no no yeah. offense actually yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really like that i think that's that's what i've been enjoying in the last three years in particular with the way i i old space now is to really see that oh i'm not promising anything i'm not i'm not creating I'm an idea you. yeah exactly and, and, and who's well, saying it, it's reactionary so the way i teach safety is it's the it's the perception of non-threat so when i'm in a room and i'm looking around right here in this room my cat's on my lap it's like beautiful outside, you, you four here, and there's nice plants. I'm perceiving that right now there's nothing here that's threatening me. And I start feeling that settling that we talk about all the time. And that's what I call safety. It's the settling in response to seeing that right now there's no threat. But that's a perception, that's so individual. And so I, there's no way to say this is, what's safe for me could be a nightmare for you. So to say that I'm gonna create safety with you, which I used to market that, that was my actual marketing. I think i did say like creating safety for you or something. And then I realized, no, no, the people have to create safety in themselves, their own perception, their own work. And then it started shifting so much for me. Hey, my friends. I created a space that is affordable, accessible, and anyone is allowed to join anytime, and it's called the Library Membership. The Library Membership is an online, private platform that hosts dozens of my webinars, my somatic practices, private mini-lectures, and movement practices. There's also a monthly sound healing, and you'll be invited to a weekly Tuesday live mini practice with me and other participants. You'll also be invited to be a live audience member in our monthly HLN team podcast recordings, where you'll take place in the Q&A that happens off air after the episode is filmed. For more information on this membership, click on the link below, or go to holisticlifenavigation.com and click on membership and then library. You can join right now and you can cancel or pause your subscription at any time. I look forward to seeing you in there. Evan, what's it like to be in, in, implored by Thayer to create safety with him? What, 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 <laughs> what, what are your thoughts about this topic? Yeah, totally.
1: Well, I wanted to um, add to um, what Thayer was bringing up. That was a big, that was kind of where I was going with it, where. Um, being in spaces that have been promised to be. Safe spaces, I've often noticed, again, not all cases, but often, there's a kind of hypervigilance that comes about because there's almost like the, since the orientation, like going to a a space that's labeled as safe, you're most likely coming from an orientation that all other spaces are unsafe or most other spaces are unsafe. So when you arrive, at this safe space in maybe a hypervigilant, very activated state, um, there's often, like, yeah. You know, and I mean, I felt it too, like being in that space, you, you're kind of watching for every little thing that could be potentially unsafe. Mm. Um, and then just kind of the the general dissociative kind of thing that, that can breed when you're in a room full of very hypervigilant people. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then how in the sense that, I mean, maybe it doesn't necessarily have I mean, the space itself would be potentially in some ways the same whether or not it's marketed as that, but because it's being presented as that, the way that bodies are showing up might be, not. even though the space itself is technically safe, the feeling that a lot of people are having is of unsafety and how that plays into the actual space itself.
0: Yes. I love that. And that's what when I was saying. I experienced a shift in the people coming to the work I do now is because of that, because they're coming with a curiosity and with a knowing that I'm going to feel things that are big, and that doesn't mean I'm not safe. There's a curiosity, like, whoa, well, what does that mean? Activation does not equal threat. You know, that's the biggest, um, what a, like the biggest trick of having a human body is that the activated uh, nervous system completely relates to the adrenals the same way a fight-or-flight system, a fight-or-flight response is related to or felt biologically. So the biology is the same as threat. But the threat isn't actually happening. So when we overcouple activation with threat or something wrong, then we do think the absence of activation is safety. Whereas what, what I'm starting to see more and more in myself and in, in the, the groups we get to work with is they're starting to see, oh, my activation is part of my aliveness. They see it as like their vitality and the, the fact that they're here rather than a reason why something's going badly. And then there seems to be much more capacity and resilience for those sensations that before would have been avoided.
4: Yeah, I I might put. I mean, like, I think that, like, I I think I feel it through and think and think it a, like with a slight difference. That I think that like when, like, to the way I understand activation again another made up word like when we like you know like whatever you know the way I understand it or use it is that when there is any like a smidgen or even a, a wind of of a threat response that's on the line. Hmm whether there's actually a real or perceived threat Mm -hmm. i mean you know whatever that means i mean if there's not like a rhino chasing you
3: Mm
4: -hmm. you know like maybe but we can have a threat to the self you know or a threat of like you know saying the wrong thing or the threat of perfectionism or the threat of you know looking a certain way or sounding a certain way or you know Let's get the scroll out of our insecurities. So like an insecurity to me is like just' a, like if we're just looking through a purely threat lens would be like an activation would be like a any kind of of threat that enlists a defense of its own kind, right. And so when we get to move into a triggered state, it would be like it's more of like to me like triggered is more of like again, when we start to lose track of our, we're so activated that there's a flooding effect that happens that we'd lose a sense of ourselves. But I think it helps to have these nuance in how we're talking about it. Why? Because it's important. I mean, Luis, we were talking like, I don't know, last week or whatever about like, I think one of the reasons why, you know, why I love the languaging around the trauma world, especially in somatics, is because it enables us to plug ourselves in to an experience that might not have had any words before, you know, without and it's and it allows us to to use language in a way that that is non-pathological and allows us to understand the nuances of our experience. Why to help us feel more free, to help restore agency, to help us so we don't feel like we're being, um, you know, bombarded by n- not understanding what's happening. You know, we're having all these feelings and we're not able to put words to it, or having all these sensations and we don't want to put words or images or movement or anything to it. There's not, it's not articulated in any way that articulation it can be a painting, it can be a movement, it can be a word, it can be whatever. But like, we are expressive beings, we're creative beings. So, safety, like you said, I really like you to say, safety only is in reaction to like what to me is safe, what is not safe? I mean, I mean, what is the opposite of safety is rest? Mm-hmm. You know, or like a, a state where, you know, it's, you can't define it in opposition. It's not a state where there's no danger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Because then back, back to safety, you know, it, it's hard to, it's impossible to escape the binary yeah. on it. So it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. And I think it's impossible for us to escape that experience too. As soon as we think of safety, we are in some, it invokes something of like, you know, as opposed to like maybe the opposite of safety sometimes is a sense of community where we can feel, like you're saying, all our feelings, or a sense of feeling connected, where we can feel activated and connected and that safety is not a concern because we're in the collective. You know, so anyway, I just, I don't know. You know, who this knows? This is
0: why that? I also yeah. love somatics because the language is us trying to grasp at a way to identify and kind of make sense terms of the felt experience everyone yeah. listening when when they hear safety there is going to be the opposite subconscious of danger or threat and there's still that quality that we attach to what we call i'm safe and we can feel it you know in our bones and people and places come to mind again as a reaction to an environment it's a relational result safety same thing as threat is a relational result and so i i I see it's so relational that uh it's why i can't promise it because i don't know what the alchemy of the relationship will create i don't know the chemistry of the formula will create it's a mystery every time and i think i'm appreciating like when you said affinity when marika was saying about the spaces like with all women or with all people of color There's an affinity. So when you go in somewhere and you know this one thing that we all have in common, if that's the thing you connect to, you're you're doing a beautiful co-regulating in that way because you're connecting to something and it's easing the, the field. And in my experience, there's still an avoidance happening with all the things that you might not connect to, all the parts that are different within that affinity. And I always feel like an anomaly in affinity groups because there's so much I don't have in common with other people that look like me, have my history, have my you know my identity, whatever it is. And so I find it interesting that we can, even all of us here can have this conversation and connect because we're talking about a language and a, a practice we really understand and live. And if we step outside of this into something else, we could have a complete activated you know debate or disagreement. And so for me, it's always what's my what's my capacity to vacillate between discomfort and disagreement with someone and like belonging and safety. I, I want to do both with an individual. I don't want to just have one or the other with them. And so I was, but when you're saying I, I disagree slightly, my mind um, immediately said, stop gaslighting me. And oh. I, went, I, <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to just bring in the term. The, the sentence, stop gaslighting me, um, as I tend to consistently see it relate to disagreements. And I thought we could all riff on that a little bit. So I wonder if, uh, <laughs> Let's dive in.
2: Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, actually think, I think this actually really applies to to safety, that for a lot of people, safety is knowing that I'll always be agreed with. And if I'm yeah. not being agreed with, or if I'm not and this is another term I want to be seen I want to be heard mm-hmm. and but what they're really saying is I want you to agree with me I want you to validate me and if you don't agree with me if you don't validate me then you're gaslighting me those things mm. are not synonymous
0: hold up because I just got a little <laughs> I just got disagreeing with me is being seen and I thought we could play with that a little bit uh, I
2: mean if t- you want me to see you I can read you you might not like it <laughs>
0: Reading me for filth is being seen. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. It's like, it's interesting because what you're saying is we have the way we want to be seen and any way outside of that, then we'll go into the territory of you're not seeing me. I'm being harmed by you. This is, you're gaslighting me. I'm triggered. Whereas there's a humbleness to, well, how do you see me? Like, I know how I see me. How do you see me? I think that's fascinating. We have to play with that more. Uh, I wonder why? Why do we call it gaslighting? Why do we call people disagreeing with us gaslighting us? Couldn't be further from what gaslighting is. But why do we call it? Can,
4: that? I, can I just put a little historical context on this? Go like, for it. Term gaslight. Do you guys know where the term gaslighting comes mm-hmm. from? But explain well, tell it? about yeah, it.
0: But Tell us, please.
4: Right. Wait, so it came from it came from a movie that actually won an Academy Award in the '40s called Gaslighting. It's a great movie actually. If you have a chance to watch it. Um, it's a really good and creepy movie, and, and it's it's kind of ahead of its time, um, but it was literally you know this this guy takes this this woman to live with him and and uh, and and basically like for whatever to manipulate her he turns down the lights. And then that time it was only gas, that and so she would you know the lights would flicker and she said there's something about the lights and he said no there isn't. And so, and he'd keep doing things like that till she like lost her mind, and that was the way he tortured her essentially, and manipulated her into you know whatever the plot of the movie is, which I don't totally remember, but like, but that is like where the term comes from, and for some reason it's rocketed into like, mm-hmm. you know, like you
0: rocketed. said,
4: like <laughs> rocketed <laughs> into, like, it, comes, it comes out of everybody's mouth like, uh-huh. it's, like as if it's like completely. Like, it, gas too, if you truly gaslighting, you are really messing with somebody.
0: Oh, yeah. That's yeah, a like long term. Intentionally. <laughs> intentionally
4: torturing someone, which yeah. does happen. Yes. Like, like, let's just name that. It does happen. Yes, it does. Way more than we want to say it happens, but it happens a lot. But not as much. It was like, you know, the 700 million TikTok videos on it or something. You know, like, oh, gaslighting. There's a lot of
0: times where someone will say to me, um, like we're we're in a group or something over the years, someone will say, um, and they'll they'll be talking about a situation with a person, you know, we'll be doing a demo and they'll say, and they totally gaslit me. And I'll say, okay, tell me what that meant to you, what happened. And every single time I've heard it, in private practice, actually, I will say, I've had people who were actually gaslit for like decades and people yeah, grind exactly. up their father. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I came from being in that, where I was like used to that being the term. And then when I got into more group work, especially online, people that kind of drop into things, they're just learning. The term is often used for a, a situation where someone didn't see it the way I saw it. They disagreed with me and not in that intentional manipulative way, but in the way of like, I didn't raise my voice. I just said something really firmly. And they're like, you gaslit me. And so I i wonder how, how do we, how do we navigate uh especially people listening the difference let's play with like what is the difference how I want all of us anyone that wants to say how they classify for people that are confused what gaslighting actually is compared to someone just seeing it differently than you are
4: and why is that important to do it I'd say that too
0: yeah absolutely
4: why is it important
0: who wants to do it Camille, are you doing it or are you not doing it? All
2: right, I'll do it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, one of the fundamental, uh, I guess, factors for me is is a point you both raised, that it, has to, it doesn't have to be, but for me, it has to be done over a long period of time. It's not just we were having a one-off conversation, and in that conversation, this person disagreed with me, and they gaslit me. Um, gaslighting is a really in-depth, Manipulative, like this is this is the long game here, and like a slow trip of because like, to the it's too, it's supposed to be so subtle to the point that you don't even realize it's it, it's happening.
3: Mm-hmm, that's right.
2: Versus we're having a conversation and and we just disagree on how we see something. For me, if it's overt. It's not gaslighting. I I don't have all the words to articulate it, but yeah. No,
0: no, I'm with you because if I think of someone, like I think of what we, and this is a whole other term we won't get into, the narcissist, we probably won't get there today. But when. When I think about people that come from like actual, let's say, families where they grow up and the both parents or one of them is has you what know, narcissistic personality disorder, I like to call them expressions because I like to humble myself because so many people have like narcissistic expressions. But when we think about someone that can't hold someone's pain, that can't don't don't have the capacity even for their own accountability of their actions, there's something unconscious there even about the disagreement. It isn't like when someone says. I didn't yell at you. Get over it. Or like when you have two people that were abused in a household by the same parent, let's say, the two siblings, and one grows up and goes to therapy, the other one just avoids it. And they go to their sister in their 30s. Do you remember when you know dad used to hit us or yell at us? What are you talking about? That never happened. Your sister isn't gaslighting you. She has completely put it out of her body because she has the capacity to do with the pain. That's different from this intentional... I know exactly what I'm doing here to get you to lose your connection to yourself and reality so I can take over. And I just think it's helpful that we go into that. But you said something there. Why is it important? So you tell us as the resident uh, psychologist here, tell us this situation.
4: Um, I mean, to me, this whole discussion is important because words matter. And that if we're, if if like, you know, what I really love about you know your guys work is that you know we're affording and value and believe in that expanding our like understanding and deeply understanding ourselves is what helps free us and free our relationships and so our life is full of life force that we're able to connect with people and love freely yeah as much as we can And these words and the way we talk about trauma or any of these things now, this is the way we're using these words now. And that like, like, you know, love and attention come specifically. So if we're not able to use, if we don't have the language to use it or the expression to use it, then it will remain dark. So the more specific we can be, again, this is not an, an intellectual exercise. At all, right. it's nothing to do with education or intelligence or anything like that. It's about specificity mm-hmm. and about our ability to use language accurately and facility and without necessarily identifying with the words. Again, I mean, take talk, we have this conversation in a different language, you know, take very different meanings, mm-hmm. right? So, to me, that's why it's important that, like, you know, I don't want to. I've worked with so many people who have been tortured that I feel like it almost devalues people when we're actually saying, well, you're gagging. Well, actually, you're not. Yep. Let, let's reserve that for when that is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And and can you use your words or your expression in a way that accurately portrays how you're feeling, which might mean you feel upset or hurt, or I'm angry at you for saying that, as opposed to um, you're intentionally manipulating me.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: right Right? and so to me that's important in terms of like us everybody you know being able to clearly communicate and be with each other in a way that's caring and loving and full of life force as opposed to like you know making things vague Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i agree
4: love love is specific it's not vague
0: i think that watering down is so important to me because when i when i go to the somatics of it when i think of watering down there's a numbness and dissociation of perception and feeling when i think of like precision like is it precise Somatically, the, the, the precision is so embodied. Like, I feel that. I feel the rupture in me when you disagree with me. But that doesn't mean you manipulated me. It just means I didn't like your answer. <laughs> and I think there's something so honest about, about that. And to share that with someone rather than, you know, tell them they're gaslighting you and doing something. Share where that took you and that, that opens up that beautiful intimacy. I just want to, just because of time, I'm just checking. Evan and Marika... You two, when I'm alone with you, are the least quiet people on the planet. And when we're on a <laughs> podcast, these bitches will just witness us and barely say a word unless I look at them. So I, what is going on? In yeah,
1: I'll, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. Um, I, I didn't want to derail the conversation because I, I feel like my brain is kind of going in a slightly different direction. But um, what's coming up for me is just the... Since we were playing with terms that were pop psychology, I think that... Just the nature of things becoming popular—they're moving quickly, they're easier to access—and I think um, just by the nature of anything that becomes popularized, it kind of necessarily has to lose a level of nuance and depth for it to be passed so quickly from person to person um, and to be so easily accessed that you see it and you pick it up and you. Um, so I mean, I think a lot about um, you know, even like popular music that you hear it and if you hear it and you love it, the second you hear it, I feel like that's usually what qualifies as pop music. doesn't mean it necessarily doesn't have depth, but in order for it to move so quickly, you don't sink so deeply into it. And I think that when words become very popular like this, they're passed from person to person without taking the time to draw apart. Well, what does that really mean? And like, what Mm -hmm. does that um, really dive into? I I was really appreciating yeah, that there was bringing this back up Then I feel like with somatics, it really is, um, and then going, you know, back through the lineage of these different things like focusing and um, just to be able to create a more diverse language to describe these inner sensations and experiences that we mm. didn't necessarily have words for beforehand. Um, there's such a depth and there's such a bring back to the body and the sensation from that kind of work, but when it gets pulled from that context it loses kind of all of its roots and then it's just it just becomes another synonym for whatever word is is happening
0: mm. yeah i love that i love that where's it go for you marika what do you what is what's happening as you witness this
5: well, i was just thinking of when you were using all of the different words that you guys brought up um like kind of to evan's point like i hear everybody who i know who get who gets broken up with or breaks up with someone they're with a narcissist. Um because saying they're an asshole isn't big enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like we take these terms, you know, like triggering really means that like if you're triggered me, that's really telling me that like you're you're a bad person or you're like, you know, you're or you're wrong. Or mm-hmm. you know, like they don't they're just sort of extra. Like they're they're used in this really extra way now. Um, because people aren't going around being like, he really lacked empathy. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? He was a fucking Mm -hmm. narcissist. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm
3: -hmm.
5: But really, he just, you know, he just didn't, it it just didn't work. It probably just didn't work out in the same way. Some people are definitely narcissists, but I just, it's like, I see all the therapy memes of it with this word in it. I hear all my girlfriends adopting it. Like, you know, I hear like maybe a, a single digit, you know, niece or nephew use it. I'm like, how do you know that word? (laughs) <laughs> so, so like, like narcissist. Yeah, so it's like very popular. Yeah, I can just like hear little elementary kid being like, "My teacher's a narcissist." Like, you know, that would really be hilarious.
0: Narcissist, i know, spell narcissist. I'm spelling bee in third grade. I will like pass on that. Spell narcissist and they just pointed their parent in the audience. Yeah. I love that. That's so brilliant because I think you're absolutely right there. You know, if I say this person gaslit me, there's going to be gas in the room. You know, it, it makes this experience really big. But to say like, oh my gosh, for years and years and years, I wanted them to see it how I did and they just couldn't. That's like so <laughs> really invites you into that kind of collective heartbreak But it's like just to not be on the same wavelength all the time.
4: Mm-hmm. When you know, just just to add to like to this, like again, that's why I think, you know, I'm a fan of your guys' work too, because I, I suspect that if you did some, you know, did a study a pre and post six week class or six week course, right? I I wonder, you know, I wonder if if we if we study like the ability to articulate one's experience. Right, like, and then expanded vocabulary, expanded understanding. Just that alone helps people, you know, like understanding, like, like raises awareness and enables us to communicate with ourselves and therefore other people in a, in an easier way. That mm-hmm. kind of cuts through the noise of like, like Evan, like these watered down, t- like you know, like what's mindfulness in popular culture? You know, we're talking about a three thousand year old tradition. That's now like an app. What is mindful? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's an app. That's the answer there.
4: Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, you can buy it for $3.99 a month. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, which is great. I'm not saying that's not. it's not helpful to people. Like all of these things are helpful. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. fear that like there's so much magic to the specificity. Mm-hmm. So, like, listening through some of the podcasts and talking to like everybody here is using very specific language. Mm-hmm. It's very coherent if we're using attachment language. Mm-hmm. If there's a coherent narrative, then sometimes it's really hard to have a coherent narrative. If we've been very hurt. Mm-hmm. So like this helps us, gives us some words to what was wordless. And and enables us to feel healing. I just, I know we don't have much time, but I wanted some of the other words that we just to throw out.
0: Wait, 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 pause, pause. I have to say something you just said and then we should all just do a quick dump of the words. Yeah, yeah. But you said something so important, giving words to the wordless And I've been realizing how spoiled I I am because most of my social interactions are either in the groups that I hold with my friends, my colleagues, and everyone's pretty somatically, you know, informed in my life, which just means they feel their bodies. And what you just said, they have language to express and explain and witness even their own experiences. And so when I think about coherency socially and this way you're bringing it in, it's because we're talking from our bodies You know, we're we're feeling like when Marika says what she says and Evan says what he says and Camille and you, we're talking about experiences that have been sensational that we've like Mm -hmm. investigated and sat with. And then the words come from there rather than something out there someone else fed us that we're just kind of reiterating. And there's some embodied wisdom to that that just lights me up. And I could talk about I could talk like that. And I do now for the rest of my life. It's like it's the only way I enjoy conversing at this point. So I, I appreciate that you've witnessed now you're part of that coherence because I, I find that really gorgeous. I thought we could all, <laughs> we could all just do, I mean, we have two minutes. Any words we haven't haven't discussed, we're not going to discuss them. Let's just drop them. So Thayer, why don't you drop yours for us?
4: <laughs> embodied. Hurt, injured. What is that? Boundaries. Oh.
0: Oh. Yeah, I think mine. Ah,
3: boom.
0: <laughs> I think mine was. Mine was a harm. What was the other one I had? I had the harm. brain. You had the brain. <laughs> I was. I still there. I'm yeah. just gonna start listing all words like duck, <laughs> brain, vehicles. Like I'm just done with them all. <laughs> I'm done with them all. <laughs> How about you, Camille?
2: Uh, canceled. <laughs> Uh, seen and Heard. Uh, honor.
0: Heard. Okay, Marika. Self-care. Uh, <laughs> okay. The way you just said that makes me never want to say it again. <laughs> was,
3: oh, we that forgot was to say, that say was journey. Powerful. That was powerful.
0: <laughs> I have to add Journey to the list. Yes, journey. you have to.
1: Journey. journey.
0: Evan, what about you?
1: Uh, well, you already said it, but holding space was a good one. <laughs> I feel like all of these words, like, I can both laugh at them. And then I'm like, this is, like, all I say all day. <laughs> <laughs> do you do. Right? <laughs> you guys, like, that, like, you know, like, oh, describe yeah. myself, I'm like, you know, holding space. I'm like, oh, God, what am I? Yeah, this...
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a space holder.
0: You're holding non-verbal you space yeah.
3: so well. What, I think what, I described
2: this someone today. I was like, narcissism is not self care or setting boundaries.
4: No. You know, it's just gaslighting somebody who's like, you know, embodied, doesn't have any truth and in driving
0: a vehicle. And yeah. getting triggered while doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, thank thank you, Thayer, for having fun with us because we like to have this kind of fun, <laughs> and I it's go- so good to do these conversations with brevity and fun and levity because I maybe not brevity but definitely levity because <laughs> people listening get to like have the joy of it being silly because we're silly. This whole human experience is so silly. And these terms are desperation to make sense of it. So it's really fun just to have you and to play with it. And anyone that wants to see more about Thayer's work, you can go into the episode details and we'll have his information there. So we're going to hop off and we're going to have our little private Q&A with our members. So we'll see you next time. Thank you. That's the end of today's episode. Now, let's take a moment to notice where we feel the episode in our bodies. Close your eyes. Take a breath. And let whatever wants to come up, come up. And remember, those sensations hold the wisdom that we're looking for. If you want to go deeper, visit holisticlifenavigation.com. or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there.